Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us today, editor of the Weekly Standard, Bill Crystal. And Bill, I hear you're planning to jet set, your jet set lifestyle is taking you abroad. Is that right? Uh, well, I'm taking a jet. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to Israel, where I haven't been for, I guess, two or three years, and uh, going with a couple other people for some meetings, trying to find out what's going on in Israel and also, obviously, in the Middle East, which uh, maybe you've noticed has kind of been in the news a lot lately. So. It's fascinating. You have four missiles fired uh, from Lebanon into Israel, and it barely makes a blip in the media because so much other stuff is bigger than that right now. Yeah, I mean, this notion that a lot of people, sort of anti-Israel types, I would say, were pushing, and then some well-meaning peace process types, that if only the Israel-Palestinian issue could be resolved, or if only Israel in the old days got out of Lebanon, or if only Israel got out of Gaza, uh, then the whole kind of Middle East, the whole Arab world, the whole Muslim world would calm down. I think that, we can definitively say, is ludicrous. I mean, we do have the ridiculous spectacle of John Kerry, our current Secretary of State, focusing intently and spending an amazing amount of time on trying to uh, bring about a peace process or revitalize the, uh, the so-called peace process between Israel and, its, and the Palestinians, something that's not going to go anywhere, mostly because Hamas controls Gaza and Hamas isn't interested in peace. Um, and it's kind of insane. I mean, the, the one part of the Middle East that's pretty quiet right now is actually the Israel, Israel and the occupied territories where nothing much is happening, which is good. And actually there's some economic growth in the West Bank. Uh, Gaza is kind of a bad news, but that's because Hamas is running it, uh, and we're not proposing to change that. Kerry's focused on Israel and Palestinians, 100,000 people dead in Syria, uh, huge things going on in Egypt. I mean, it really is Iran moving towards nuclear weapons. So I myself am going to go to Israel, and unlike John Kerry, I'm not going to focus on the peace process. I think Israelis would love to have uh, a more settled border and, uh, and genuine peace with their Palestinian neighbors. But uh, what they are really worried about in Israel is Iran, above all, Iran's nuclear program, and I mean, secondly, obviously, what's happening on their borders in Syria and Egypt, and I hope to learn something about that. Okay, I, 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 it's no secret I have occasionally been critical of our president, believe it or not, but <laughs> I have to say this may be a new low. No UN representative at the emergency meeting regarding a possible chemical attack in the modern era, and then the answer comes from a tweet, a tweet, Bill. What's next? They're going to unlike uh, Bashar Assad on Facebook and start blocking him on Instagram? Is that really the status of America as a world power, the people who get you back in new media? You know, it's really unbelievable. I guess the deputy representative was at the Security Council meeting, but Samantha Power was out of town. But she, in a way, fine, if you're out of town, you're out of town. Maybe she couldn't get back in time for this emergency meeting. But then you compound sort of the problem of not uh, moving heaven and earth to get back. If you're the actual newly confirmed uh, representative of the United Nations, you compound the problem by sending this pathetic tweet, uh, you know, terrible things happening in Syria. I hope UN will get on. Hope UN will get on it or something. Uh, when, as I pointed out in a, in a, in a post, I mean, uh, when, when President Obama said it was a U.S. red line that Assad would cross if he used chemical weapons, President Obama said uh, Assad must go as the president of the United States. He didn't say, well, gee, we hope the U.N. will do something. And sure enough, they had a U.N. Security Council meeting, and Russia and China blocked any serious action. I mean, the, the degree to which uh, we are paying a price, obviously the people of Syria are paying a price, but we're paying a price for this uh, failure of President Obama to match his talk with any action is really striking to me. Every, everyone I've talked to from the region, Arabs, uh, friendly Arabs, not so friendly Arabs, Israelis, uh, others, I mean, they just think we're, we, we look weak and irresolute and pathetic, and that that really has consequences. That really has implications for our friends who figure they have to watch out for themselves uh, and for our enemies. So 
uh, it's a it, now the tweet was really in a way for me the the kind of culmination of as you were saying of a sort of a really I mean better to be quiet than to I mean here we had some friend of mine put it this morning we had Pat Moynihan at the UN giving great speeches in 1975 Gene Kirkpatrick at the UN giving great speeches in the early 80s John Bolton at the UN standing up for U.S. interests and now we have a tweet from a vacationing <laughs> U.S. ambassador to the UN hoping the UN will do something about the use of chemical weapons. Uh, not uh, not to suck up to you, Bill, because, you know, I hate doing that, but you've made the point, and I don't think enough people focused on this, that the option was not, you know, uh, uh, simply you know, speak loudly and do nothing. If we were going to do nothing, President Obama could have said essentially to the region, look, you're on your own. But the worst case scenario is to say a year ago we will not let this stand and then to let it stand and then encourage these forces of modernity or, 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 or Western values to think they've got a president who's going to get their back who just stands there and literally, based on the evidence we have now, watch their children get gassed. It is the worst of both Rand Paul or 100 uh, percent intervention would be better than this. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think the same is true throughout the region, where we are ending up sort of on the, the worst of all worlds, conceivably, in a place like Egypt, Egypt too. Um, I mean, there I think the military will seems to be establishing control, which is probably a good thing in the short term. But over the longer term, we, you know, we sort of encouraged Mubarak to go, which I think was fine, and then sort of basically stepped back, let the Muslim Brotherhood won, sort of seemed okay with that, didn't do much. Then the people of Egypt said, what, what's going on? This is terrible. The military... Uh, took the occasion to remove Morsi, and now we're sort of dithering, oh, I've, you know, internal debates in the administration, maybe they'll cut off eight some, not all the way. I wouldn't be surprised if the president does something about Syria in the sense of lobbying a cruise missile or two. Uh, again, very much the way President Clinton lobbed a cruise missile or two after uh, 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 al-Qaeda attacked uh, U.S. Uh, embassies in 1998. But I, I fear that we have the same... The lesson that that would send, unless it's a serious effort, um, will be counterproductive, actually. Yes, because if you figure, okay, I can afford to lose a warehouse that no one really cares about and continue to kill my real enemies and hold on to power, I think that's right. I want to ask you one last thing about actually traveling to Israel. It's interesting. I got to do my radio show when I was in D.C. from uh, Jerusalem for a week. It was one of the best weeks of my life. I loved going to Israel. It was magnificent. But uh, now that my, my wife happens to be Jewish and I've talked to her family about traveling to Israel, and they'd been many years ago, they are very uncomfortable about going now. They think that it's a, a place surrounded by turmoil, on the borderline of constant turmoil. I didn't find that to be the case. I, I, if, if someone asked me, you can get on a plane right now, where do you want to go? I would say Jerusalem. It is an amazing city to walk. Yeah, no, I find it really amazing. The, uh, Rome is, I haven't been, I've been to Rome, I've been to Jerusalem, I've not mm -hmm. been to Istanbul. I, everyone says those are the three cities where you sort of see so many different eras of history. I mean, whatever one's personal religious sort of views and how much that part of being in Israel uh, means to you, just seeing stuff that was built 3,000 years ago and some of which is preserved, stuff that uh, places that were built and also traversed 2,000 years ago, and then, of course, the modern history and the medieval history, and then the modern history of Israel is very interesting. There aren't that many places where you have all those different layers of history. I always tell my friends who go to Israel uh, on for business meetings, for policy meetings, and that's mostly what, why I'm going to uh, on behalf of the Emergency Committee for Israel, take some time to be, to be a tourist. I mean, there are very few places in the world that are just more fascinating if you have any interest in history, any interest in religion, any interest in, in you know, one of the most fundamental places where some of the most fundamental things have happened 
in history, and also where stuff is really preserved. I went to Greece years ago, and you know, you go to some of these wonderful, you know, great ancient temples you've read about and in, in books, and there's, you know, they really are. It's just rubble. And then you right. can, of course, if you have a guidebook, you can say, well, this is where this was, but you can't really see it. That's really not true in Israel. There's a lot of stuff you can actually see. It's a little different, of course, 2,000 years later, but it's not that wildly different. And you sort of know where real things happen. You know where. You know, when Jesus came down from the Mount of Olives, that's right, pretty exactly. well attested what path he took, so you can sort of walk it. I mean, it's a very uh, moving place to be, a very interesting place to be. And on the safety issue, you know, the Israelis, they just go about their business. They're pretty, um, uh, uh, you know, hardened to, right. to the threat. But honestly, I mean, I was there a little bit during the Intifada, during the terror attacks. That was, you know, you really felt, my God, you'll sitting in a restaurant or on a, in a bus and anything could happen. Uh, knock on wood, I mean, obviously stuff still happens occasionally, but really they've had a pretty... Uh, um, pretty peaceful few years. A couple of border conflicts, uh, some rockets uh, shot into the country, but they they seem to have gotten the terrorism for now at least under control. They are nervous about what's happening. I guess in Sinai, I think they really are worried about Al Qaeda there. They're worried obviously about Syria, Lebanon. Every all their borders are not exactly um, uh, peaceful and uh, you know uh, places you don't have right. to worry about. Uh, but they do go about their life, and, you know, you, you walk around Tel Aviv, it's like walking around L.A., and uh, so that part of Israel, the kind of current, you know, uh, sort of high-tech, you know, right. fun part of Israel is also interesting. But for me, it's the historical stuff that's so interesting. So even though we're going to meet mostly with government leaders and political figures and military strategists, uh, I'm going to take a few hours, actually, on Tuesday. I think we've got something arranged to go see some of the digs, the archaeological digs at the City of David just outside the wow. old city wall. They really have found amazing stuff, from literally from David's time, which would tend, incidentally, to confirm the uh, biblical accounts to mm -hmm. some degree of, of, of David and of, and of his kingdom, which sort of some of the anti-Zionist types had, had sort of you know, tried to discredit. And it turns out, I mean, it doesn't really matter, honestly, in terms of current politics, right. but it does turn out that actually the, some of the accounts in the Bible are, are probably more historically accurate than a lot of people have thought. Well, being a Southerner, my holy cities, are, of course, include Richmond, Virginia, but that's a separate issue. Uh, my experience in, uh, in um, Jerusalem, w in Israel, was having uh, some people share with me, having lived in America, grown up in America as Jews, and then they, they move, move back, they're now citizens of Israel, they live in Israel. And they say it is the one place in the world where Jewish people can be fully Jewish. And it really was for me, a guy who grew up in an evangelical church where we taught, were taught a lot of respect for the theology of Judaism, but re really rarely saw, I mean, we had friends who you know, went to temple or whatever, but you know, basically they were just church on Saturday. To see, right. for example, Orthodox Jews living their lifestyle, not as a novelty, not like the Amish, but rather living it fully and having the, the, the community around them accommodate them and being part of the fabric of the community. It was, it was phenomenal, and I can understand why Israel is so important for Jews around the world. It's simply by existing what it means. I think I understand somewhat what it means to them. No, I think that's true, and that's well said. And, of course, it's important for many, many Christians. And, and you know, when you're there, you really also got to feel it's an America. Of, this is a country that's like America right. and also like America a lot. And, of course, has a huge amount of inter interaction with America. A lot of these other countries, you know, they're very wonderful countries in many ways, whether they're in Europe or elsewhere in the world, Asia. Uh, but they're pretty different from America, mm -hmm. and they respect America, and some people there like America, and some people there don't like it too much, but, you know, they, 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 they understand that it's just different. Uh, with, with Israel, there's a kind of real fellow feeling that we're, 
we're similar countries. We respect a lot of the same things. We come out of a lot of the same traditions. We have a lot of the same enemies today in the world. And so that's a nice thing about being an American in Israel. And the food is pretty darn good, too, I will tell you that. Absolutely. I look forward to that, too. We will, Well, you can tell us all about it when you get back. Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard, thank you so much for your time. Please check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.